Welcome back to Coaches on the Beach. Today we're having a little Louisiana reunion with Katie Leak. Katie is the current assistant coach at LSU, a Gunnersville, Alabama native. Katie played four years of indoor and beach volleyball at LSU. She took a year away to coach high school before returning to LSU Beach in 2019. Welcome and thank you for joining us, Katie. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Katie, obviously a, a, an OG in the SEC beach volleyball realm. I think we first met when I was finishing up at South Carolina and you were um, taking over the reins as an assistant at, at LSU. It's been, what was that, five years since then? Five seasons at least? Yeah. Maybe... Yeah, I'm heading into year six. Heading into year six. So tell us a little bit about what's changed since, let me see, you were a player when Russ got there and now you're coaching alongside him and I'd imagine a th few things have changed since then. Yeah, I would say the biggest change was roster size from year one to year now. We had four, we like to call them the OGs, that tried out for our beach volleyball team while the indoor team was competing in the fall of 2013, I believe. And then they had trained three hours a day, four people, nonstop, were crushing it, really like kind of plowing and, and laying ground for us to kind of jump right in in the spring of 2014. But kind of from there until now, I think just LSU's resources, I think our coaching staff, I mean, Russell being the head coach and being very consistent with a vision, even though each year's look different, like he knows who he is and he knows the kind of environment he wants to provide. And so I think having that be the consistent basis for where we compete, where we work from day in and day out, and then the resources that LSU provided for us and really supported us when there was no relative success, there wasn't a championship, I think, until the following year uh, or even two years into us having a program of having an NCAA championship experience to now being contenders for a national championship, I think just has been really fun to to be there from the start and see it kind of flourish and, and unravel in the in what it's become today. Crazy. Crazy. Go Tigers to that. Yeah, I mean, quite the turnaround, right? Year, year two, you guys had, or year three, you guys had like 20 wins, right? So that was the first, 2016 was your first NCAA appearance? 2017, um, actually. 2017 was the first was my senior year we were on the bubble my like junior year of beach and so by 2017 we had an incredible freshman class on top of just uh, that was when Claire Coppola Kristen Nuss Taylor Bradley Olivia Powers uh, stepped foot and we knew that having just their their experience at the junior level um, three years of experience under our belt to know kind of what we were search searching for an NCA championship that was in front of us that we knew we were just like scratching the surface on who we wanted to be it was kind of fun that last year of kind of leaving it all on the on the table yeah and we won't think too much about I think 2017 was the year you guys beat us in the the NCAA tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, no, yes. No, we got to kick you guys out when yeah. the SEC championship. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, right, to go from a team that was kind of just getting its feet wet, I think that first year you guys played minimum number of dates, right, eight yes. dates, Yes. Um, to kind of going full-fledged, how did that feel to you as a 
dual sport athlete who had for all intents and purposes been brought there to be an indoor player but now you're going out on the sand and you guys are like oh we're we're legit indoors right there was a did you guys share an sec indoor championship at some point during that as well or we're right up there yeah we were close we were close pushing right so you're you're going ncaa tournaments your season's playing into december you're turning around you're showing up in january and now you're playing into may again talk to me a little bit about like the mentality as an indoor crossover athlete in this startup program how did it feel what did it look like yeah that was i think beach was the biggest gift that i could have been given as a student athlete like growing up and playing in high school like i got to have different sports to play like whether it be basketball track like club volleyball versus high school volleyball and so that first full year of an indoor season was my only time that I didn't get to do dual until my last year of beach. And I loved it, honestly. Like I kind of loved the change up. I loved getting to learn how to be a better indoor player when I was on the sand with as far as vision goes. I loved being able to bring power to the beach game, which was more like finesse. Like whenever I was starting to learn how to get my feet to the ball, I couldn't have power or go in the middle or bottom of the net at times. And so I think just having kind of an escape from both really allowed me to embrace and appreciate the seasons for what they were. Um, It definitely had its lower moments. I mean, you're constantly in season, you're constantly having to manage your grades and responsibilities. But I think just having something different to look forward to um, always got to start and end for every semester instead of like have one full year of grind and then have like a blip season. I feel like goes by so fast that you like really have to enjoy it for what it is and and not miss it or, or it goes by. But I just think getting to be under two different leadership styles, be with different teammates as like beach recruits came in um, like two different families to be a part of, I think was such a a blessing Um, and taught me a lot about who I was taught me a lot about the, the sheer differences in athletes from both sports. I think both people can play both, but it takes different talents and different skill sets to be elite in both. And so getting to kind of get my feet wet and be thrown really into the fire pretty quickly, even though we were just starting out, my teammates and I like were very competitive. Like that didn't change (laughs) from like sport to sport. We wanted to be great. We wanted LSU to succeed. Um, We took that to heart. And I remember Fran Flory, we probably had six practices before our first game. And like, we still didn't have sand legs. We were actually playing ULM as our opening game and we got destroyed. Um, I remember our, our flight lost in three and I was like, livid, livid. Um, I wasn't going to bring it up. Oh, you should. We played Bianca. I can't remember her last name and I can't remember her partners, but Bianca like made us look like fools. She was talented. I'd, I'd never seen an option at that point. And she optioned us like, constantly I thought it was illegal I argued with the ref I hate to admit that but I did but before that match began she like huddled everybody up and and really uh she looked at us and she goes you're going to be a part of something for the first time like you're a part of the very first team that ever gets to compete for LSU beach volleyball like one day you're not going to know it now but one day you're going to look back and really realize how cool of a moment that this is like don't let it go by without appreciating it and so I think being able to have that as like what started my whole entire beach journey has allowed kind of even the grind of playing both seasons, even just the grind of being an assistant coach at this level and at this time 
in life has just really kind of allowed me to just kind of embrace it for what it is. Um, and if kids that are doing that now playing both or even just playing their own respective sports get to kind of recognize how cool the opportunity that's in front of them, then I hope that they can actually enjoy getting to compete in the ways that they do. It's kind of what that taught me pretty quickly. So in indoor, I got to appreciate it. Beach, I got to appreciate it. Whether my coaches would say I acted out of that appreciation, that's one thing. But um, looking back, I think that that allowed me to appreciate the gift for being a college athlete and what that was. Your beach career at LSU, like you started off with just trying to figure it out, not knowing what an option was, you know, and then understanding like as you're going through your senior year, you and your partner set uh, uh, almost the record for most all-time wins. I think you're third right now in LSU beach history with, what was it, 30, 36 pair wins? Kristen Nuss got another year, right? If she hadn't, I bet you Katie would have been right up there. Good job, Kristen. Proud of you. <laughs> and then you also have 73 career victories in the beach. So, like, there, there was a serious progression during those four years of beach. What would you say was the biggest catalyst to, to that progression and what helped you out the most when you were trying to learn the beach game? Yeah, I have to say good coaches. Um, shout out to my coaches, Russell, Drew, Trey, um, Fran. But they knew how to pair us up. They were very good at knowing who could play with who and giving us the freedom to fail before there was change. I think also allowed that to to maybe happen. And a lot of the times I just had really good partners who were very controlled and very gifted in their skill sets. And so I just got to kind of figure it out with them because I knew they were going to be steady and I knew my coaches were going to put us with who they thought we would be most successful with. And so I think just buying into what they had to say and buying into just training and being technically sound and only focusing on what I could focus on. Um, on top of, I think, just competitiveness. I liked playing every position growing up. And so I think even maybe getting to transition into beach where I got to set and got to hit and got to just find the open sand allowed me to be probably as successful as it was, but they knew who to put me with and they knew who um, would help me look better than I probably was at the time that they did it. And so that was, that was really fun. And even now, like being a coach, knowing partnerships were super important and knowing that my coaches like had a rhyme and a reason for why they did what they did is what I enjoy too in helping like pairs find their niche and like figure out like what their skill sets are that's going to complement or, Hey, these are the things that could hinder and, and really kind of lean into that with them a little bit, because I think that that's what helped me have freedom when I played while figuring it out. Do you have like any like real life examples of when you found a pairing that really worked and what their connection was, which was different than another pairing that you found worked? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think like knowing who needs a good setter versus knowing who doesn't have to have a good setter, like is a pretty simple, like basic, what I like to start with, whether that's like the smartest thing to start with or not. Like that's just where my head takes me when I get to like look at our roster and look at kind of like where that goes. And if kids can get their feet to the ball and maybe have that that extra edge and, and maybe don't need a specific set in a specific instance or can work with a lot, then it's like really fun to see kind of who can figure that out best. Then you have your personalities then you have like their power versus their like control. Like you can start to dive in, but depending on what they need from a setting position offensively and knowing who can and can't like fit that mold, I think is always like a fun place to start for me.
Katie, you're going into it's got to be what your tenth year at LSU yeah. as a, as a player and or a coach. Take us back to to 2011 <laughs> when you were making this decision. Recruiting rules were different, right? So you might have been yeah talked to in 2010, 2009, or something like that. I don't remember specifics, but what I do remember is having opportunities to go other places and maybe those had more pros than the cons that maybe LSU carried at the time I was deciding. But what always stood out was I couldn't see myself calling LSU and saying no. Um, I could have seen myself saying yes to different coaches in different places and and really enjoyed the conversations that I, I got to to have with coaches, but I couldn't picture myself calling Fran and saying, I'm not coming here. And a lot of times when I make big decisions or I've had to make big decisions in life, there's a lot of fear for me, which probably is not what I should say. But if something really scares me and it's really uh, like an intense fear where it's like, I don't know the outcome, I probably should choose it because I know it's going to teach me the most. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy, but I'm going to figure out like more about my purpose and more about how to impact those around me by doing the, by making those decisions more than like what would look like I should. Um, I even had my grandmother tell me that I was making a big mistake, like being from Alabama, like you don't leave the state of Alabama. I mean, the, the house divided of Auburn and Alabama, she told me that I needed to be loyal to the state. And it was so fun to be like, well, then do you want to pay for my college, Mimi? Like, uh, because that's like where we're at right now. Like, I have the opportunity to go play a sport I love and 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 have an education, which was so important to her. And we're more alike than I'd like to admit at times. But um, yeah, LSU seemed to be the place that I wanted to dedicate my time, my energy and efforts to. And, um, and it definitely has not let me down. And I definitely owe more to it than it's ever given for me. So, Katie, that begs the question then. Was there an immense amount of fear deciding to come back and coach? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, that story's comical because I was actually interviewing for indoor coaching positions. Um, I didn't even want to be a coach. Both my parents were high school teachers and coaches, and I saw, like, parents at the high school level. I, I lived from a very early, early age the grind that coaches kind of have to go through with very little in return, it seems like. And my parents never complained about that, but I did get to see kind of the harsher side of coaching than just the glamorous like game day. And um, I was like, yeah, that's not for me. I want to be a nurse. I want to go help people. I want to save lives if I can. And then I got to work LSU indoor camps over the summer and found that, man, like I really enjoy like helping people figure out their purpose through this gift and this talent of, of, of their sport. And I was interviewing for indoor positions because I just had a more knowledge at the time for indoor and really could see a game plan, see a court and be like, oh, this is how we can pick it apart. This is like how this kid could grow. This is what we could teach her is like the things that were going through my head and never for beach. And then I kind of saw where our assistant coach at the time went to the indoor side. And at that time in my life, I had like six people, like family, but also not family people are like, oh, are you going to go for the beach job? Like, shouldn't have asked that, like never had considered it, even though in my like 20 year plan of life, my goal was to always get back to LSU. Like that was always my biggest prayer, my biggest like goal, like how cool would it be to get back to LSU and coach from alma mater? 
And then whenever it like literally was right in front of me and I was still in Baton Rouge, I was just graduating college. The fear just sunk in. I was like, there's no way like this is actually possible. Like nothing on my resume, like has any form of experience other than a year of high school and club. I was like, this is LSU we're talking about. Like I need to go out and get experience before I even put my name in the hat. And just like this nagging, like knock on my heart was like, just ask, like, what's the worst you could do is like call it Russell up and ask him if you can throw your name in the hat. And I remember I left a club volleyball practice and I was like, you know what? Okay, God, I'm just going to call him. I'm just going to call Russell and we're just going to go for it. And, and I'll know based off of his aunt, he probably has like three people lined up already for like this opportunity. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. So I called him and he didn't answer. And I was like, well, at least I did my part. Like, no, thank <laughs> you. And I went to the movies. I was watching the Avengers. I'll never forget it with my brother and one of my best friends. And he like called me in the middle of the movie. And I was like, I can't ignore this. Like I, I have to step out. So I like stepped out. He was like, hello. Like, did you call? And I was like, yeah. And it was the most confident I'd ever been. I swear I was like an out of body experience. And I, and in that moment, I realized like how much I wanted to be a part of LSU um, as quickly and in whatever way I could and getting to learn under somebody like Russell would have been a dream come true. And so that was kind of the start of that opportunity. And I haven't looked back and I'm grateful that Russell hasn't seen my failures in a way that's made him want to fire me. And I hope that that doesn't change. <laughs> so what I got yeah. from that is you need to watch a superhero movie right before an interview. And then you feel like a superhero <laughs> when you jump on the phone. I'm not saying you shouldn't try it. <laughs> See where it takes you. I'm going to start watching the Avengers before any interview I ever take again, whether it be a <laughs> podcast or whatever. Well, and you talked about as a player, right? You always wanted to get back to LSU. Mm -hmm. um, and you had like the paramount example of that during your career in Jill, right? I mean, so Jill was your coach uh, mm -hmm. at LSU. She was a player at LSU. Then she's now your peers, right? Yeah. Tell me how that relationship has developed and fostered and, mm -hmm. and what that's meant to you and what it's looked like. Yeah, that's such a great question and one that I'm so honored to even like speak on because it was actually Jill who saw me for the first time as a club volleyball player. Um, I'll never, I'll never forget the day Jill walked up to the court that we were playing at. And since then, like she has been paramount in demanding like my best for me every day as a player. Um, she refused to let you believe any differently than like the best that you could be. And, and not just for yourself, but for who you're playing for, um, always from the lens of, of the team and, and doing whatever you could, becoming who you're supposed to become so your team can be who they're supposed to be. And just the loyalty that she showed, she always presented a unified front for the coaching staff. And like, I swear our coaching staff did the same and same for like Russell and like his time that I've like gotten to, to like be under his leadership. But for Jill to constantly show me and, and act out, not just say, like she acted on her words day in, day out when it wasn't easy. Um, she'd be the first one to hold you accountable in practice. And then you would like really be down on yourself. But after practice, like working in extra reps, remind you like of the greatness that you were. And whenever she left and then came back, it was like right at the perfect time for me to take that next step too, because she wants me to be great. She wants the best for any Tiger alumni. She wants us to once again become who we're supposed to become. And so for her to to not only demand that from herself, but constantly like 
encourage me and hold me accountable still to this day is kind of such, it's such a gift to like lean on that and, and see that and, and live that out, not just as a player, but now like I want to model the things that she taught me to our players as well and, and do it my own way, obviously, because I'm not her and I don't expect myself to be, but kind of for her is like things like I would love to be able to like do that for her. And I don't say that enough. So it's fun to get to kind of take that trip down memory lane. Um, and now I get to ask her hard questions. I'm like, Hey, this situation came up and you made it look so easy. Like what, what would your advice be? And to get to kind of be that player again is, is really cool. I think a lot of the time. We've gotten to hear a lot about um, some awesome people that you've been around. What, what's your why? Like why coaching? Why, why doing all these things? How have their impacts on you shaped who you are today? And, and what's the, the new, the Katie Leak version of coaching volleyball? Yeah, I think like the first thing that comes to mind is helping kids find their purpose. Not what I think it should be, but what it actually is for them is what really drives me and wakes me up every day. And how that looks is so different for each player and, and getting to help them find their purpose through character building when they're not acting in a way that they're supposed to, whether it be breaking down technique and helping them realize that they can do hard things, uh, whether it be pushing them beyond their breaking point to remind them that they are strong enough to keep going. And then through those experiences, seeing them kind of, whether they had a positive or negative reaction to a situation, like help them understand why that affected them that way. Like to help them find their purpose, help them find their passions. And I get to do that through the coolest sport ever and through practice and through hardships and through like accomplishments. But I think just kind of helping them figure out their purpose is why I want to do what I want to do. Um, and I'm lucky enough that it's beach volleyball. Um, Cause if I was in corporate, I still think that that would be my answer, helping people around me find their purpose. But I, I'm fortunate that it gets to be in the setting that it gets to be in day in and day out for sure. Yeah. And diving into that a little bit more, I know you're very faith-based. I know your team does a lot of faith-based stuff. When we come down for your home tournament that you guys host, you host that FCA event um, right before the tournament and our team absolutely loves it. They are so looking forward to it this year. And that, that is something that I kind of wanted to get more in depth with you about is what kind of opportunities do you guys present your athletes or how does that come about and where does that fit into your guys's team culture? Yeah, faith is definitely something that like I hope to live out every day. Um, and I know same for Russell, but if that's in like, you, I guess, how do I word this? You have different resources, right? Like you have our sports psych, you have our strength and conditioning, you have our athletic trainers, academic advisors, like there's so many different resources that our athletes um, have available to them. And I think knowing that faith is an important piece to some of our athletes, like we just want it to be another resource. We don't want it to be something that they feel like they have to have in order to be a part of the LSU Beach Volleyball team, but we want to definitely live in such a way that allows them the space to explore kind of that piece of their life. Um, if that's what they want to make important in FCA, like you mentioned, fellowship of Christian athletes, um, has done a lot. Like they have weekly meetings that our athletes are a part of and, and the rest of the student body at LSU, if they want to be a part of, can be a part of it. And so there's been a lot of opportunity 
to have worship nights, like you said, before home events. It's something that if we can kind of keep perspective um, and allow our players an outlet to have perspective before they go into really important moments in their career, then like we want to provide that, not just for us, but for anybody that gets to experience that in the sand. But yeah, faith became important to me as a junior in college through FCA, um, through FCA retreat and like learning about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and getting to make my Lord and Savior and gave me an identity apart from what I was doing and loved for who I was before I could do anything totally shifted my experience as an athlete. Um, it's helped more than anything helped me become the coach I'm supposed to become and like treat our players the way I'm supposed to treat them and hopefully provide a space that allows them to show up who they are and what like in whatever state they're in and whatever experiences that have led them to that day, that moment, that practice, that game, hopefully allows me to like have the capacity to to steward that well. And faith is what, what that does for me. And if our players that have that is important to them, then we hope to provide that resource in a way that helps them grow through their college years. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's awesome. And like, just over the past couple of years here at ULM, FCA has grown quite a bit. We, we have a great guy who's leading us here. And yep. Uh, our, yep, Jeff Fitzgerald. Yep, he used to be an old football coach. Big guy, lots and lots of energy. I think he consumes way too many of those caffeinated teas a day, but he is always energized <laughs> up. But yeah, he, he's just a great guy. And uh, we've had a couple of players get baptized and mm-hmm. they, they attend those weekly meetings. One of our players is on their leadership council. And so I started in the recruiting process talking about how college is a, a four-year almost an experiment to be able to figure out what your values are, find something. I I believe faith is part of that. So I want them to explore it. I'm never going to push it on anyone, but there are those avenues. And I love to hear that you guys are giving those avenues as well, because you think about the strength and condition, you think about nutrition, like those are all key parts in the, the athletics process in most, most teams. But then the the one piece that usually gets left out is is that faith category and what kind of resources you have there, what kind of opportunities you have there. But talking about LSU, it, it is a perennial powerhouse. You guys are constantly known in the top five in beach volleyball. You guys have had some crazy good seasons, but there's also been some really, really good players that come out of LSU. Since your time... Uh, coaching starting in 2019, who has been some of your top players that you've liked to coach and who who are kind of some of those standouts and what were their work ethics like? What, why were they standouts? Yeah, that this is probably the hardest question to answer because there's so many that come to mind in different ways. Um, it's hard not to put Claire and Kristen in that category immediately, um, followed by Taryn, Tony, Kaylee, Katie Dickens, Megan Minari, which I didn't coach Katie or Megan, but I like felt like they coached me and we got to live that life. But there was just this hunger about them, this competitiveness about them. The the work ethic that you talk about, I think, evolved from like their first year to their last year. Um, not in like dips or highs and lows. It was just like they started to understand what they wanted and wanted to go after it. And um, I think whenever we had reached probably one of the highest finishes. In college, I think that there was at least a class or a group of our our players that um, refused to allow anybody to like not go hard and not and not go for it. But then I think about players like Alexis Tony, who 
you've probably never seen in the lineup because she hasn't been in the lineup ever in her whole tenure, but she showed up every single day and gave it her very best and like was probably everybody's favorite partner because she had this just like will to win, even though she knew she wasn't going to get an opportunity in the lineup. As far as like favorite players to coach, like kind of the unsung heroes, I think right now we have a kid who's going to be a junior named Madison Myers, and she's yet to break into the lineup and getting to like walk through our gym today, like our strength conditioning facility. She's like just getting done with conditioning workout, like putting in her time, putting in her like dues and and being a member because she knows that like this is what the team needs to be great. I think just like stand out to me in this very moment. Um, Taryn Cloth, like people don't, they hear that name because she's insane right now, probably going to get to go to the Olympics, her and Kristen, but her first year, she got pulled right before nationals from the lineup and her very first experience with beach volleyball. And I don't think looking back people that weren't like in her life and got to see like her grind in this sport, like really like that defines her success for me. Um, for her to continue to show up. And then she luckily had an extra COVID year and got to really have like a junior season, so to speak, in beach. But she could have thrown in the towel. Like she's a, a stud indoor player, could have played overseas, could have per- pursued indoor professional like Olympics, but instead just put her head down and went to work and and like loved people along the way. And then Tony, I got to play with Tony indoor and coach her for three years. And the stories that could come from just her hardships with injuries to like still refuse to do anything but like be the best that she can be olivia powers also comes to mind or Donya's now but i got to play with her but coached her for three years and i think she was thrown every single role in the book like every role from like being out of the lineup to being a, a top contender in the lineup getting us points on the board to being pulled three weekends before season left and then works her way back in and like has a fascinating ncaa run like Like, we wouldn't be where we are without her. I think about Emily Hardesty, who I actually didn't coach, but she comes to campus and has, like, a crazy medical situation. And then her and another indoor player beat Cal Poly's fours and then didn't play the rest of the year. But because they beat Cal Poly, that allowed us to go to the NCAA championships. And so I just think I get the gift of, like, from start of playing, even though I wasn't coaching to now coaching, like getting to see how integral every single person on the team is and like why they're integral. So like that question is so hard for me because there's so many, and I could like literally probably look at every single person that's come through LSU. And I've been so grateful to have like experiences with all of them and be able to say, that's when they made us great. That's why we won that game. That's why we did this. And even like the mistakes, like even when kids make poor decisions and wearing my coaching hat and we have to like hold accountability um, and have accountability moments that like help us understand like why we got to be better to get to where we want to get to. Um, And then I think about this upcoming senior, senior class, like their incoming freshman year, they don't get that COVID eligibility back. And their only experience with their very first year of college, like Ellie Shank, Riley Allred, Brooke Blutrip, Amber Haynes, and Macy Miglior at the time, she's no longer on our team, but they had to like go through the hardest year ever of online school, not getting to hang out with the team because you were scared everybody was going to go down and we couldn't train. Like, I think about just like the hardships that they started out with to now like their senior year, putting themselves in position to win a national championship this upcoming year. They, they didn't have to like come back. They didn't have to respond. They didn't have to work hard, but 
yet day in and day out and year after year, there's always like people from start to finish that wouldn't make us who we are if they didn't like choose to show up and work. Um, and I can't forget to add Ashlyn Resnick Pope. Um, she has many different nicknames from many different players. Arp Bill is my personal favorite. There's like been so many moments from her freshman year to, to her senior year, which she took her grad year at USC and they ended up winning the national championship. And she was a very vital role in like, in those wins. But I had the like joy of getting to be on her court most of the time during those years. And to see somebody grow every single year, not only in their skill um, and in their leadership, but in their like character and the way they treated those around them. Like she's always had a heart for others, but um, learning how to like display that and influence that for a team to rally behind was something I got to see day in and day out. And it wasn't always easy. And it, and there weren't always times that she did it right and did it excellent, but she never gave up. And it took getting to hang out with her this summer recruiting on the beach like we got to hang out for a whole entire day she just hung out the whole day on the beach with me and to be able to have that experience with a player and now what I would consider a friend and to hear the type of maturity that she's like speaking from now and like the kind of goals and the and the the hopes that she has for her life um it's hard to not want to include that in my coaching journey there's a lot of forgiveness on her end when I got it wrong. There's a lot of accountability moments that I had to lean into as a coach and like hold her accountable and call out moments that I think were worth like calling out. And her and Sierra Caffo ended up, I think we beat TCU to get into Saturday. Um, not this past year, obviously she was at USC, but her senior year with us, her getting to clinch like two vital moments and then to hug her at the end and her comment to be thanks for never giving up on me helped me understand like what my real like another notch and like why I do what I do of like if I get the opportunity to put belief in players and if I didn't get to go through what I got to go through with her as a player like I don't know if I could be who I'm supposed to be for the upcoming year either um so that was like a player too that that I can't help but but add to the mix and you guys have had a ton of success. Are there any seasons or any games that really stand out to you in your mind? I feel like the the day we win a conference championship and the day that we win a national championship, my answer will be different than this. But um, purely from a, a game perspective, it's hard to, to top UCLA at home um, when we were number two and they were number one and we had just split um, in Hawaii the weekend before with one another um, at LSU in the Bayou in Death Valley, as we like to call it. Um, yeah, that was one of the coolest experiences that I think I've, I've been able to receive as a coach. There wasn't a seat that wasn't taken. I think we had like over 2,500 fans um, in our stadium. Um, and at the time we were still growing knowledge of the sport, but whenever LSU fans see a number, a top 10 matchup, they're going to show up and they're going to celebrate. And from like our kids on the sideline to the fans in the stands, to the products that we were able to like put out and like the sun was setting perfectly and even getting to witness UCLA's like emotions as well to see like, whoa, this is a college atmosphere for beach volleyball. Wow, like beach volleyball is is popular in college. And like, it is 
rapidly growing, I think was a moment that I never want to forget. And it goes beyond like getting to pack out LSU beach volleyball. And it goes beyond like getting to beat number one at the time. Like it's really how we carried ourselves. And like, it was kind of almost the, the cherry on top of year one as a player to like year, I think seven in the program of like, man, when we were like dying after like indoor 20 hour weeks to like going on the sand, like this is why we knew that this moment would come and getting to like experience it firsthand instead of like through Twitter or Instagram as an alumni, like as a live member of the team was really, really cool to kind of sort through. So now the NCAA tournament, right? I mean, that 2020 year, it's hard to not think about what could have been. Obviously, beating UCLA, having that opportunity. Now you're bouncing back, you're coming back, you're in the NCAA tournament again the last few years. Now it's a single limb NCAA tournament. How does that change things for you guys, game planning, right? Going into an event, um, how does that maybe adjust the thought process? Great question. I'm pretty indifferent, like getting to be at the NCAA tournament and like when it was double elimination, it's hard not to like being able to lose and like still have a fighting chance. I think that's like the hard part to really let go of. But I think if you look at any other NCAA championship experience, like basketball, uh, women's basketball, indoor, it's like single limb. So I think it ups the ante, like it allows the, um, the tournament feel and the, the adrenaline rush that like comes with like knowing it's do or die, I think just adds an, an extra level of, of championship experience. And I think that that's positive, even for game planning as a coach, like you said, breaking down film, like, you know, like the route, like, you know, kind of the either or team as you see yourself, like going through a tournament, I think really helps just prepare in a healthier way instead of pulling all nighters and, and stressing about like, what's going to happen, what the weather is going to be like, what what our food intake need like there's so many like other stressors on top of film that that play out that i think sing, single elimination helps <laughs> navigate the traditional gulf shores schedule delay yeah um, the traditional the the inevitable thursday gets pushed to friday and everybody's got to figure out when they're playing who they're playing uh yeah it's a super fun super fun event <laughs> it's tricky i think it, it beach volleyball is not for the faint of heart and not for the ability to endure all conditions and situations. I think it's the best sport to kind of show your character too in that. That's why I'm thankful for Russell Brock because he's pretty steady Eddie. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> while everybody else can be like, what the heck's going to happen? He's like, all right, like, got to figure it out. So that's even fun to get to navigate in that setting. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, I got to work with uh, Russell's hmm. friend, Steve Lozwick, over there at Coastal. Steve. Hi. I have so many. Yeah, actually, Steve might have recruited you too, huh? Yeah, I still have bitterness in my heart that I didn't get to get coached by Steve to this day. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. I, I, I'm amazed by both of their demeanor from day to day because the amount of times that I would be like, Steve, what are we going to do here? He goes, I don't know. We'll figure it out. And I'm yeah. like, what? We'll figure what out? Like, <laughs> I thought that's what we were having this conversation for was to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> And so just the image of those two guys being good friends also, like I want to be a fly on the wall when they share a hotel room at some recruiting event because what could the conversation be? What, uh, which, Do they even have conversation? You know, that's the question. 
it might just be all telepathy. What are your kind of conversations with Russell and and how those go and, and how you guys communicate as a staff? I know how Steve and I communicate as a staff, right? How do you guys work? There's a lot of forgiveness in Russell and a lot of patience. They're easy. Like, I look forward to them. Like, we're very different human beings. Like, very different human beings. Like, how we process. I'm very emotionally driven. He's very logically driven. So, like, it's... I ask for a lot of wisdom. It's me asking a lot of questions, I think. Um, more times than not, just because I want to hear what he has to say. But I think my favorite times that we, like, have conversations are when they're, like, really hard. Or it's, like, a really hard moment, whether a player's going through it or... I'm going through it or a situation occurs that's out of our control. And like, we just have to talk about things over the course of six years. Like I'm learning my needs as a human. And so over time, like, I'm like, Hey Russ, like I, when this happens, this is where my head goes. Like, what are you actually thinking? Because I'm, I'm kind of like believing a lie that you hate me, even though you don't like us girls, like can really just like take our thoughts, like to a negative spiral. And so he's been very, patient, like I said, and very wise and just like listening to me and hearing me out. But then also, I think when he needs something, he'll say something. And until then, like we kind of have the freedom to like go do our jobs. He trusts every member of our staff to just do their jobs and doesn't try to manage that in any way unless a situation needs to be managed and, and one that he like has to step into. And so for the longest time, I questioned that and the longest time I second guessed it and maybe didn't believe him. But there's been so many moments throughout the course of six years where moments that I struggled with in the beginning, where whether there was like what I perceived as a lack of communication or whether I perceived it as like needing to be handled and didn't trust that they're like the lack of feedback was like me doing something wrong. And in fact, he's like, I'll tell you if you're doing something wrong. He just gives you permission to like go to your job. And I think a lot of the times that's what he does for our players too, is he believes in them so much even if it isn't said, like, he's just not phased when things aren't, like, picture perfect or when things aren't, like, what they should be. And until he needs to say something, he's just going to believe in you and, like, let you do it. And so over time, that was, like, hard for me to trust and believe. But I'm at a place where, like, I can't wait to show up to the office and, like, work through it. And I'm not afraid to, like, ask if, if there is a problem or if there isn't a problem. Like, I just have more trust that I can say what I'm thinking and us get to like work through it. And it's always through the lens of like the team's needs too, which is really cool. And there's a lot of freedom that comes with getting to just like say what's on your mind and then have it processed from like the program that he's wanting to create. I can relate to that a lot with Steve and I, I feel like the same silent conversation would happen from time to time. And mm -hmm. I'd be sitting there trying to figure it out. And how did you get through the moments of doubt, right? Because there are tons mm -hmm. of them, especially we're young. Uh, we're trying to figure that it's the first job for me. It was my first paid job. Yeah. It's your first coaching gig. How did you kind of push through it? How did you get to the immense self-confident badass that you are? Sorry, Michael, you have to edit that later. <laughs> uh, I couldn't think of any other words. No, it's great. It's great. You should keep it, Michael. Um, I think probably up until this past year and I still fight it, but like I've had severe imposter syndrome. And fighting through the doubts, like the only thing I can say is my faith and having a community around me, my friends, heck, my boss um, and my boss's family being willing to stick with me when I didn't believe in myself and was so hard on myself because I was just at every point in turn 
thought I was letting the team down and thought I needed to have more knowledge or more age on me or um, less emotions that I was like wrestling with, with the responsibilities of being an assistant coach for the program I got to be, I get to be a part of. Um, but I think just knowing truth, like reading scripture, praying, having people pray for me, um, being honest with my thoughts and not trying to hold it in um, and not trying to act like somebody I wasn't. I think in like year three, year four, uh, and then over time you see like Russell believes in you. Uh, your family loves you. Uh, you have friends that are for you. Your players are listening to you. Like it over time, there's just enough evidence when you look back to like have no reason to doubt. But whenever I was sitting in it, like, really just believing that I was more than what I was doing and having to like really come to terms with what I believed was really what helped. And then that belief being supported. And so when I was in my like weakest points or my doubts and felt like the team deserved more, I would have a friend be like, stop believing lies. Like, or give me like practical things to work on. It's like, well, what is in your control right now? Like what tasks actually need to get done on your to-do list? And then you like knock off little things here and there as a coach. And you're like, you start to feel accomplished again, even if like the big scheme of things is still like unknown and doubtful, like reaching out to a player and seeing how their test went or following up about uh, a gear order that you don't know, like the status on, or just reaching out and the things that you need somebody else around you probably needs to, to like be checked in on too. So like, who can I check in on? So kind of like getting external while the internal was like in shambles and truth really just kind of, I think helped wade through those waters of just beginning something and, and starting a different role than I've ever had to deal with. It's um it's come up a couple times on the podcast, uh, most recently with Beth and then um, Christy Tekovic, right? The goal of maybe seeing some more strong female mm-hmm. preferences in coaching um, and I think the self-doubt piece, right, you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, mm. emotional thought process, maybe getting in the way. What would be, what would you say to uh, maybe a player who's getting ready to graduate and is thinking about starting coaching or even a young, a young female coach who's like in the pit of that doubt? What would you say to them? What would you tell them? It's such a, I haven't ever, I haven't ever processed that question. Um but what I wish I would have done in the beginning years was let myself enjoy exactly where I was at. Like in the learning phase of being a coach in the grind of being a coach and like learning the boundaries of being respected as a coach and like, let it be hard. I think is another one, like let it actually be hard because I don't know. I'm not other females. I'm not other males in this profession. I only know what's going through like this brain right here. Um, but I wish I'd have allowed myself to just let it be hard and let it be a process instead of thinking I had to be at a certain point before I could like say, do think act and ask yourself when it's like in the hardest moment, whenever you're at your house and you just don't know if you can wake up and like go to the office or you don't know how you're going to tackle this responsibility or your supervisor like laid another thing on your plate that's going to take more time. So your sleep's going to dwindle. Therefore you're not going to be able to like have the the adequate rest that you're going to need. Like actually ask yourself, what about it bothers you? 
And like, what about it is like hard because then you're going to start to understand who you are as a person and understand like who you are as a coach and understand like what you value. And then once you start to learn what your values are as a person in like the scope of what you're doing, you're going to be able to start to filter those responsibilities, those tasks and understand like what you're willing to let yourself take on or willing to like let yourself navigate in a in maybe a healthier way. So ask yourself questions, let it be hard, and then trust that you can enjoy it without it being to like put together. Yeah. Something about not trying to carry the weight alone. Sounds yeah. like a piece of how you have grown so much as a coach and mm-hmm. gotten through it, which <laughs> makes it guys, we swear it's a glamorous job. We love what we do. <laughs> <laughs> what we do. We make it sound very hard. Katie's shaking her head right now. No, yeah. it's it's an amazing job, but it, it provides, I think, just like anything else that's really great and amazing, right? Any Olympian will tell you there was, and not every day was easy, right? Getting to go to practice every day was not like, a, oh, yay, today's going to be great. Like, sometimes your body hurts. Sometimes your head hurts. Sometimes mm-hmm. life goes on, just like we try to tell our student athletes, right? If you have a bad test, it's it's okay. It makes its way onto the court. What can we do to m- minimize that mm-hmm. that low, right? What can we do to maximize the highs and minimize the lows and understand that people are human beings? There's a fun Brazilian kind of saying, right? Most Brazilian players don't call their coaches coach. They just call them by their name. Mm-hmm. Um, and the saying there is, is you don't respect the title, you respect the person. And so while that might not have started out as deep as it, as it works out to be, right? It is exactly where we are. Our student athletes are human beings. Your coaches are also human beings. There's good days. There's bad days. There's fun parts. There's sucky parts. And we're all just trying to figure out how it works, especially in our brand new sport. I, I think the, the mindset piece of it, like mm-hmm. you, you get that a lot as a player and we're becoming a lot more aware over your, your mental health. And when it comes to coaching, like you don't get that talked about as much and the, the imposter syndrome, it is, it is very, very real. And you feel like you have to be someone different than you actually are. I mean, my first three months on the job, my first week on the job, I had a player tell the other coach at the time that, well, he's not a beach coach. So why is he even here? And then I had two more players come into my office within those first three months saying, you're not a beach coach. Like, what, what do you what do you know about the game? And so I'm feeling like I have to figure something out. I have to be someone different than I actually am. And what that did to my coaching style is it, it really hurt it. And I, I finally come back to the conclusion that I just need to be myself. I, I can research a bunch of things. I can talk to a bunch of different coaches and understand what I'm doing. But if I'm not myself, I'm not going to be the mentor that I want to be for these young women and why I'm actually coaching. I'm not coaching to win games. I'm not coaching to, you know, compete at a national championship. That is definitely uh, a competitiveness inside me that I want to win the games. But that's not the end all be all for me. And when I wasn't myself, that wasn't happening at all. And so that imposter syndrome, you're going to feel it at some point or another. I think you just got to bring yourself back and you got to remember to be yourself 
And that's what I preach to our student athletes. That's what I preach to my graduate assistant is just be yourself. We'll we'll work around it. We'll fit. I mean, you said it, Russell has a different vision every single year for the team because the makeup's different. So when it comes to that, like we, we have to continually be ourselves and we'll work with each other. We'll, we'll figure it out. But I think the mental side of things for coaching and that, that imposter syndrome, that, that is the biggest one that I had to work myself over. I'm excited to see like where you take ELM because you're like letting yourself be you. That's the biggest gift we can give our kids. And even like, as you were talking, when it comes to like advice, I would give our sports site guy that we've been able to contract out Larry Woodman, like he works with our girls, but I feel like I'm like just eating up everything that he's like teaching them. And I'm like, okay, how can I apply this? Like in my coaching role so that they can like have like the best version of me. And one thing that has been helping me lately has just been asking what does success look like? Like at the end of this day, at the end of this task, at the end of this competition, like regardless of what happens to the outcome, like personally, what will success look like? And an example I can give is like at practice, if I hit imposter syndrome and a drill's not going the way that you like hope it would, or the energy's just not where it should be. And then you start to think like, crap, I don't even know what to say to like help them. Like I just start to spiral sometimes. And then I recognize I haven't even spoken in 25 minutes. And my role as a coach is to vocalize how to help them become who they're supposed to become. Right. I would simply ask myself, like, what does success look like this semester? And I think I even told you this, Colin, at one point, but it was, okay. If I feel in any way, like either disrespected or feel like it's not going right and I start to like become silent, like success for me looks like that I'm actually more vocal um, in the in the drill. I'm actually more vocal in like telling something to each player on our team. Um, did I give feedback to every single member on the team today? Like then if I did that, regardless of how they took the feedback, regardless of if it worked or didn't work, if I was putting myself in position to say something to help them, then that was going to be success. And so if you can like, ask yourself that in those pits and in those moments where it's like, Oh no, where do we go from here? Then hopefully that can like help somebody along the way. Cause that I just realized that that was really helpful. I, I would say that when it comes to what I want to see out of college beach more, I want to have more of these conversations. And mm-hmm. I would say, yeah. you know, I had a talk with somebody who I consider my mentor um, not too long ago. And he was expressing a lot of these kinds of things as well and i just kept asking like what's what's stopping us from talking about it more what's stopping us from being honest with each other but also like with our players right and you know i think there's a there's a fear that that sometimes being too honest can make us vulnerable and that's exactly what it does right being honest makes us vulnerable and then opens us up to potential potential downfall and you know i saw the my favorite example of being totally open and honest with somebody was I was spending the weekend with Steve Grutowski down at FAU and uh and his kiddos and I think it was oh gosh I think it was Kaya Kaya's daughter pointed out that the the stovetop clock was on the incorrect time and she goes dad why is the stove clock wrong he goes well we set it five minutes ahead she goes, why would we set it five minutes in? He goes, so that way when 
we're getting ready for school in the morning. We look at the clock and we think, oh, no, we've got to go. Um, but really, when we get in the car, it's an OK time. And I remember thinking, like, you're not supposed to tell the kids that. Like, you're mm -hmm. supposed to keep that a secret, right? And he's like, well, no, I mean, she knows it and it won't change. Like in the morning when we're freaking out, I still look at the clock and think, oh, you know, I'm late. And she's going to think that too, but there's no reason to kind of lie and, and or even hide it, right? Some would consider that a white lie. Um, and so that's what I would, I think that would be great to see out of NCAA Beach more is, is us being open to being human beings. Katie, I might have stolen the, the fire there, but what do you want to see out of NCAA Beach Volleyball? What's, what's next for you in this sport and in the next 10 years, what should it look like? I think the product that beach volleyball is putting out at the NCAA level has so much potential to just be a community that not only the people experiencing the competition from like the player or the coaching standpoint, but even the fans like experience inspiration, like they're inspired to become the best versions of themselves. They're inspired to support um, in spite of like, fans of different like teams like wanting the other team to lose versus win like I just I feel like it can be an environment that is so inviting and inspiring to become the best versions of ourselves that will help other areas outside of the sport like I can't give you practical things but the only reason I'm here is because God wants me to be here I don't necessarily have a vision personally for this sport growing in the NCAA like I just don't like in 10 years I just hope that we as like leaders and we as like a, a sport and we as like a game can put out a product that people feel fulfilled by like because I feel like too many things in life leave people unfulfilled and like leave people searching for more and like it's empty and hollow you hear few people really go through experiences and like at the end of it, just like are satisfied to like keep going on. I don't know. It's like a striving versus just an experiencing. And if we as a community, like a beach community and we as like staff members who get to lead these women can help instill fulfillment in what they're doing and instill excitement for like work ethic and excitement to like be ballers in, in something they're gifted in instead of something that they have to do or their worth is like useless. Like if we can like create a space in 10 years where people like get to have that day in and day out and, and have people packing in just to witness competition be what it's supposed to be, which is like inspiring the best out of one another. Um, I'm not saying you have to like losing. I'm not trying to sugarcoat and like rah, rah, shish, kebab, cheerlead, crap, this stuff. It's more like if we are leaving inspired to become who we're supposed to become, then I think we're doing our jobs. Because that's one regret I have in college is that I didn't leave fulfilled because I was striving for things that weren't important. And it wasn't even like popularity or labels. It was more like I thought I had to be perfect to like exist. And that is just backwards from what is possible. And so if our sport can exude that and live that and act that and produce that for people to see and be around, and that's for how we treat refs, that's for how we treat our opponents, that's how we treat uh, a wrong call, like fighting for what you believe in, fighting for the right stuff, I think can leave us fulfilled and fighting for like what it can be.
will like allow that space to be just like pure and free and just exciting to be a part of. But as far as like tangible ways to make that happen, I, it's a great question. I'd like y'all's input on that question. Mic drop. Well, on that absolute mic drop moment, um, Katie, thank you so much for coming on Coaches on the Beach. It's so much fun to have you um, on the pod. Obviously, I love getting to talk to you and, and consider you somebody that I've gotten to look up to over my career from um, the first couple of years in the SEC to going to Bible study in Southern California when you were on random recruiting trips to sharing mutual friends like Daniel Carter and Jay Chang. Yeah. Uh, and just getting to see you as kind of the blueprint of like, hey, here's where I would love for my life to go and my career to go. And obviously leaning on you for a lot of advice over the years. It's it's awesome to share some of it publicly. Um, and hopefully you can keep giving inspiration to anybody that maybe turns on this and listens to it. And here's your thought process on the sport and, and where it's going. But thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys. And I have to echo that sentiment and thanks and gratitude and excitement for where you guys are taking not only the sport, but the opportunity for coaches to come and encourage and, and be inspired and learn from one another. Um, it's really y'all's work ethic that had me so excited to hop on and really just like talk to you guys because Colin, I remember when you were a GA at South Carolina and we were in the same hotel at FAU and you guys beat us th that game. But um, I remember you were like plugging up every camera to the downstairs computers and like trying to hustle and, and work so hard for the team to have what they needed to win. Like I'll never forget that memory of walking to the elevator. Can't wait to shower. Can't wait to like relax. And I see you like not even getting probably the recognition you deserve for what you're putting your team at an advantage for. Like that, that stands out so much. And then Michael, we were actually, wow, at South Carolina whenever we were playing you guys. And I think it was your first year, might've been, yeah, it was your first season. And like being an assistant coach, I always look at other assistant coaches and try to like just observe like how they carry themselves and like kind of how they exude to their team, what they're exuding. And um, every time I was, we were on a side switch when I got to be like against you or anytime I like watch from you coaching, you always carried yourself with poise. And like, anytime you're talking to your team, it was through the lens of like, we're about to win this game. Whether you believe that or not, I have no <laughs> clue, but like how you carried yourself and like how you were putting like your full attention and intentionality to your players really taught me something like that tournament. And so to be on this podcast, to like listen to the nuggets that you guys have shared and to hopefully provide some nuggets in whatever way gets to unfold. Like I really am honored to just be on the receiving end of y'all's questions and and hopefully help us band together in Louisiana, not only for this sport, but just for people to continue to become who they're supposed to become. So thank y'all for helping me with that journey. No, thank you so much for those words. Like it, it has been an honor to uh, to talk with you today. And I've also looked up to you in your coaching career. And I, I think the, the South Carolina trip that you're talking about, it was also, I think like 30 degrees and sleeting and raining and yeah whether I showed it on my face I did not want to be there <laughs> no thank you so much for being on with us today and uh, we will definitely do this again sometime go Tigers